Would you pray with me? Please be seated. Thank you, God, for the gift of this day. Each and every day we have is a gift. Lord, may we not um, abuse that privilege. May we not take advantage of this day. May we see it for what it is and embrace it. May we make sure, Lord, that every relationship we have, that we come in contact with, that we affirm it, that we share the things that we want to say, the love that we have. May we not miss it, God. This is the gift you've given us. And Lord, you've given us this Sabbath day to come into your house, to come into your presence to worship. God, teach us how to worship more authentically, with more transparency, more vulnerability. For Lord, the more vulnerable we are, the more your spirit has room to move in our hearts and to fill us with your love and your care. And at the bottom of it all, that's really why we're here, Lord. We're here because we need you. We need you, Lord. And so as we begin this series on worship, I ask, Lord, that you would come upon this place, Lord, that each and every one of our hearts would be open to a fresh anointing and filling of your spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that you might pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken And human words might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray this with great confidence, for we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, last week was Stewardship Sunday, and I preached about God's desire for us, not just to steward um, our gifts that we give to the church, you know, stewardship, but to steward our very lives, that God desires for us to steward the whole of our lives. And in seeking to live well-stewarded lives, I shared the first question that a Christian must ask is, what is the object of my worship? What is the object of my worship? For like it or not, we all worship something. And what we worship will fundamentally determine what we value and what we prioritize in the stewarding of our lives. In light of that, beginning today, our fall sermon series is focused on on true worship. A few beginning comments. As I shared two weeks ago, while on sabbatical, during my prayers asking God what's next, as I shepherd St. Andrews in the coming years, the word worship kept coming up in my prayer. It wasn't something I'd considered or brought with me into sabbatical, so it surprised me and it made it all the more impactful. So I began actively praying about worship. And in one sense, A new emphasis on worship might seem odd since that's why we're all here. We're here to worship. We are worshiping God this morning. Yet, while we're here to worship, in another sense, each and every one of us has the capacity to grow. You might say we have the capacity, uh, we, we have the ability to mature in our capacity for worshiping God. This is the heart of this series. For while I was praying for St. Andrews, when I heard the word worship, that word came with a strong sense of God's desire for us to share more of ourselves with him. For God desires for us to share more of ourselves with him, more authenticity, more vulnerability, more transparency. God's ultimate desire in worship is relational. 
God doesn't just want us to worship him because he's worthy of worship, which he is. In worship, when our hearts are full and we're fully engaged and we mean the words we sing, when that happens and we're fully engaged in worship, it becomes a relational two-way street. God is present with us, but also we're present with God. And things happen in our relationship with God as we worship. We want to fully trust our lives to him, to be more intimately connected to him. These are the things that happen, but we can miss all that, can't we? I've certainly been in worship services where that's never happened. I haven't worshipped like none, zero. I walk out and I've gotten nowhere spiritually because I'm distracted. I'm not present. I'm not engaged. I'm not intentional. I don't know if that ever happens to you. So what does worship look like? John Piper defines worship in this way. The inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart so that, so that knowledge, by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied with God above all earthly things. And then that deep, restful Joyful satisfaction in God overflows in demonstrable acts of praise from the lips and demonstrable acts of love in serving others for the sake of Christ. Pretty in-depth definition, but I love the idea of when we come, are we wanting to know God truly? Are we wanting to value and to treasure and to prize and to enjoy God this morning? Because that's what's possible. And when we do that, things happen. Things happen within us. Things happen in the room when we are fully together. Right? So do we, the question is, do we know God truly? Truly enough that we are satisfied with God above all earthly things. For as I talked about last week, there are so many things in the world that we are sorely tempted to worship. And truth be told, most of us struggle worshiping other things besides God. We worship God, but we also worship other things. Think about the starting lineup of idols that the world puts on display. The idol of workism, the idol of materialism, the idol of being in control, the idol of perfectionism. The list goes on. Our world proclaims such idols hold great promise. If we will only serve and worship them, yet if you live long enough, I promise you'll see how such worship leads only to misery. If you're putting all your eggs in those baskets, any of them, it just doesn't work. It doesn't give us the things that we need. And so in light of such temptations, are you willing to join me in responding to this message I heard from God during my sabbatical to grow deeper in our relationship with God by maturing in our capacity to worship Him. Are you willing to be teachable? Willing to experiment together as we learn about and practice more intentionally engaging in worship? For I cannot seek to fulfill God's sabbatical request on my own. It doesn't work without you. Does that make sense? Right? I can't fulfill it. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge for us as a church family, for all of us. 
So as we begin, I want you to know the first three weeks of our series, this is going to be a fall series that will probably take us through Advent, um, the first three weeks of this series is partially based upon a sermon series outline made available at reformedworship.com by John Whitblit. And John says this about the fundamental reason we should desire to joyfully engage in worship. First, we worship as a response to the covenant God made with us in Jesus Christ. This is what he says. One central biblical image or metaphor for describing the relationship that God has established with us is the image of covenant. This pattern is as old as the oldest portion of the Hebrew scriptures. And has been made new in the new covenant that God makes with us through Christ. This is a relationship that depends on promises. That's what a covenant is. It's really a God makes promises and we make promises. First, God's promise to us and then our promise to God. He continues, therefore, Christian worship is like a covenant renewal service. In a liturgy, which is the order of worship... Um, In the service, we renew the promises we make to God, and we hear again the promises God has made and kept in Christ. So when you think about what you're wanting to accomplish when you come to worship on a Sunday morning, this is central, is that I'm remembering, and I'm going to explain this more in a minute, but I'm going to remember the promises God has made for me because I need to remember them. And also for me to renew my promises of faithfulness back to God. This is the fundamental exchange that happens particularly in corporate worship. Now we can worship in all kinds of locations, outdoors, in nature. There's all kinds of ways to do it. But in corporate worship, this is particularly, I think, where this takes place. Through sacraments, through prayer, through scripture, through sermon and song, we're reminded of God's promises to us in Jesus Christ and have the opportunity to renew our promises in him. So today's scripture that we heard Katie read is a wonderful job of describing the impact of the new covenant in Christ that it has on our relationship with God. It says that Jesus' death opened a new and life-giving way, and because of this, we can go right into the presence of God. We now, it's like the curtain has been torn in the temple, and we can go right in to the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. And really, that's what worship is happening. When we're singing that part of worship, this is what we need to have in mind. That we are fully entering God's presence with hearts, sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. That is the engagement that's happening spiritually and mentally. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. These are the promises that come with the new covenant, right? This is what we're remembering each Sunday is that God is here for us. God accepts us. God forgives us. God has accomplished all of this. Let's not forget. What an amazing benefit God has given us in Jesus Christ. And he's opened a way for us to be fully loved and fully known by God. Fully loved, fully loved, fully known, even the deepest basement part of you. We're fully loved and known by God, and as a result, to experience the radical forgiveness that makes us truly clean, sin-free, innocent in God's presence. This is one reason it's so important to be in worship regularly. 
If we only come to worship, do you know what a creaster is? A creaster is a person that worships Christmas and Easter only. Anyway, you don't want to be a creaster because, number one, you're going to hear me preach the same sermon twice a year. I mean, it just gets really old. But the second reason is this. We need to be in worship regularly because we need to be reminded of these things. If we're not, guess what happens? We drift. It's just what happens. Our humanity, we're focused on the world's idols, right? What's out there to worship? And we get caught up in it. We get caught up in it anyway, but we certainly get caught up in it if we're not coming in and reminding ourselves of God's promises to us that we desperately need and that we are going to renew our promises to God. Um, So in worship, this is what's going on. This is how this back and forth works. In worship, we are reminded of God's goodness, grace, and forgiveness as we hear Scripture read, like this morning, as we confess our sins and hear the assurance of pardon. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven, right? And we need to hear that every week. We need to be honest and confess, but we're hearing God's promise of forgiveness as we trust God with the worldly concerns and the prayers of the people, right? We're trusting these things to God. As we hear once again the gospel of of the grace of Jesus Christ in the sermon, each and every week we're hearing the promises of God. And then on certain Sundays, through the mystery of the sacraments of baptism and communion, We experience God's promise of grace in Jesus palpably through baptismal water, bread, wine, and juice. That there are things that happen in these sacraments that are mysterious and they they evoke God's presence in very particular ways. And so this is the way during worship, during the service, that we're being reminded of God's promises. And then we, in these same elements of the service, we renew our promises to God through confession... We renew the promise to be honest with God, to communicate with God regarding our sinfulness and its impact on us and its impact on others. And we're reminded of our desperate need of the grace of Jesus through the prayers of the people. We renew our promise of putting our faith in God and trusting him with our world. Through our response to the sermon, we seek to follow Jesus and live as he calls us to live in our daily lives. That's us renewing our promise to God. Then in our songs of worship, we cry out to God saying, we need you. We thank you. We praise you. You are deserving of our worship and praise. This is how, in practical terms, we continue to mature into the people John Piper describes where we value God, treasure God, prize God, enjoy God. We are satisfied with God above all earthly things. And as a result, our deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God overflows into demonstrable acts of praise from the lips and acts of love in serving others for the sake of Christ. And yet... For this to happen, we must engage in all the elements of the worship service intentionally, wholeheartedly. We have to come prepared for worship. We can't sort of stumble our way into it or we're going to miss out. And it's so easy, is it not, for our Sunday worship service to become rote. All the things I just described, if you're not thinking about them in that way, they can just flow right over you. I mean, you don't even have to engage them really, right? It can just, oh, they're praying now. Oh, they're singing now. Oh, Jeff's preaching a long sermon now, right? Whatever it is, it's going, it is going through your brain, right? And so um, 
it's possible to find ourselves all of a sudden hearing the benediction at the end of the service and walking out without actually having worshipped at all. I want you to think about that because God calls us to worship for a reason, not just for him, but for us. We were designed by God to worship him. And when we don't, we miss out on some really important things. So today, as we are more than midway through the service of worship, let us ensure we don't find ourselves at the end of the service without having consciously remembered the power and impact of God's covenant acts toward us and, in response, for us to joyfully renew our promises to God. Now, this is the time to worship. May we renew our promises by wholeheartedly worshiping God in song during the offering and final song that follows. When you stand and you're seeing the words, it isn't like you're hearing a song on the radio that you're singing along with. Look at the words. Understand their meaning. The more you know the words and can ingest them, the more that you can honestly say them to God. God, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Can you engage God and mean what you're saying? And as we do that together as a community, things happen in the room. And so I'm asking you to experiment, even beginning now, right? So as we sing in a few moments, the offering will be uh, going on, but you're going to know the song they're singing. These are, these are songs that are familiar, uh, and we're doing that intentionally. As you're sharing your, your offering, also give an offering to God of worship and of praise. Um, learning to worship God more fully in this way teaches us how to be strong and disciplined in not worshiping the idols out there. The stronger we learn to worship in here, the better we are at not falling into patterns of worship of other things in the world. For what we worship will fundamentally impact how we steward our lives. What we worship will fundamentally impact it. Therefore, as we begin the series, as we heard in Hebrews, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh.
Byron, would you get out the chorus to I Need Me? Um, I Need You. <laughs> I Need Me. Um, and uh, Jax, if you could put the chorus to I Need You um, on the screen. Um, there are different kinds of worship songs. The one we just sang is a doctrinal song. It's a song about what we believe, and they're very important. Um, but they're, they're kind of distant. They're not very personal, right? God, you have done this. But then there are other songs where we talk about Christ in the second or third person. But then there are really this first to second person. Lord, I need you. And these are the songs, right, that we can be most vulnerable in. And these are the songs that I'm going to be focusing on during this uh, series. And so let's end. I'm, gonna, I'm just asking you to think. These are such simple words. And let's just sing this chorus two or three times together, sing out, engage it, experiment. It's okay. God wants us to grow in our worship. So sing this out. Let's sing it together. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you.
just want you to feel that. There is, it's okay to have emotion in our worship. It's okay for us to sing out and not be embarrassed. The more we do this together, God is going to show up in us and together in our community in new ways. May we grow in this. Thank you for doing that. For when we do, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or even imagine according to his power that it's at work within us. And so to him and him alone be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus our Lord from this day forward, now and forevermore. May it be so.